If you find that this episode in particular is a little extra hastily put together, it is possible that it's due to the fact that I sat down at my computer and spent almost a solid fucking hour looking at kitchen faucets instead of working on this stupid shit show. That's the point that I'm at in my life right now. I'm not sure if I ever used to be cool, but I used to do cool shit, goddammit. But now, nope, here I am, fucking completely and utterly astonished, looking at this website. Holy shit, that faucet's Wi-Fi capable. And it's got little red and blue lights on it that tells you the temperature of the water in real time. I didn't even fucking know they made faucets that were $800. I'm not sure if I'm more impressed at the audacity of charging $800 for a faucet or the fact that I almost think it's worth it. What have I become, my sweetest friend? Welcome to the Atomic Skull Podcast, everybody. My name is Matthew, and I wish I had some sort of story about some badass shit I used to do on deck as a chaser for being so lame right up top, but instead... I'm just going to stay on the Melvin train and talk about how much I loved big time wrestling as a kid. Now, before you all roll your eyes and turn this episode off, hear me out. Because if I can do this right, which I can assure you I won't, there's a chance this portion of the show might actually mean something. Whenever I'm in the mood to fully alienate you fuckers, I'll take a deep dive into the whole big time wrestling thing. But right now... I want to talk about a wrestler named Jesse Ventura. Anyone who has ever watched wrestling during the golden age in the 80s and early 90s or lived in the state of Minnesota knows the name Jesse Ventura. When I started watching wrestling, he had just retired from actually being in the ring and was doing commentary. So obviously I would hear him talk a lot. And then when he retired from wrestling altogether, he somehow ended up as the governor of Minnesota. And because he was a former wrestler, all the news channels had him on talking about whatever batshit crazy things he could get away with saying at the time. I'm very familiar with the man's voice, is what I'm telling you. I'm bringing up that in particular because I want to, once again, start this episode off with a very different kind of best of the week, which I want to give to a comedian called Will Sasso. A few weeks ago, my brain and my soul were both kind of in a tough spot. Every social and serotonin-related battery I had was running pretty low, and I was definitely going through it. I was digging around on YouTube instead of doing something productive, which is 420% on brand for me. And I came across a video of Will Sasso doing an impression of Jesse Ventura. And I couldn't fucking stop laughing. It was so goddamn good. And the shit he was saying as Jesse Ventura was fucking hysterical. There's a bunch of videos on YouTube with Sasso doing the impression on a bunch of different occasions, and I literally watched all of them. Whenever I got in a particularly rough spot in my head, I would take a step back from whatever I was doing and throw on one of the videos of his impression, and God help me, it made me feel better. I literally went from tears of shitty to tears of laughter. 
And I want to give the best of the week to Will Sasso's Jesse Ventura impression for helping lift me out of my funk so I feel just better enough to be able to live my life. If you guys have a minute, fire up the old YouTubes and look for Will Sasso's Jesse Ventura impression. You will be glad you did. Now, just because I don't want to alienate myself to you motherfuckers completely doesn't mean I'm not going to alienate myself at all. Alienating myself to people is a big part of my personal brand, just like apple pie is to America. And if you don't believe me on that, strap in. So when I'm at home, I've got the shows that I watch with my beautiful wife, Mrs. What's-Her-Name, and then I have what I call my side piece shows. They're the ones that I watch when I'm by myself. Usually those are brutal true crime documentaries, some type of science fiction, or take your pick of Law and Orders. Any of them will do. I just finished a show that was recommended to me called Alice in Borderland on Netflix. It's very similar to Squid Game, if you saw that, which fucking everybody did. But the show is a little more flashy, and the games are way more fucked up. It is a total mindfuck, and definitely a recommend if you're looking for some sort of torture and death porn type of show to watch, which aren't we all? I had told Mrs. What's-Her-Name about Alice in Borderland, and not only did she watch the show on her own, but she finished it a fucking month before I did because she doesn't have 30 minutes of pussy jokes and music references to come up with every week. She loved the show, which is awesome because she doesn't always, she doesn't ever, like the shows that I watch on my own, which is why I do it. The show that I've moved on to now is Star Trek Picard. I am making good on the promise that I made to myself a while back to pick the show back up and get to season three. I'm almost done with season two right now, and it is a lot to get through. It isn't necessarily bad, but because the whole cast of my beloved Star Trek The Next Generation is in season three, I'm just trying to blast my way through the second season so I can get to the money shot. I'm gonna be a little ballsy about the fact that I got Mrs. What's-Her-Name into one of my side piece shows, and I'm gonna let it ride to see if I can somehow convince her to watch Star Trek The Next Generation, which is a tall order. I know I'm one of only like 47 people left on the planet that love the show, but I will defend it until my last artery clogs, and I assure you it will. By the way, since we're talking about it, let's get to our Star Trek The Next Generation fact, because you knew it was fucking coming. Please indulge me, and I'm sorry in advance. I am going to make it nice and quick, because I love you guys, and you feel that. Kirsten Dunst, Ashley Judd, Kelsey Grammer, James Cromwell, and Stephen Hawking were all guest stars on Star Trek The Next Generation during its initial run. Speaking of runs, I was on The Shitter the other day, you're welcome, A plus segue, and I realized the best way to attempt to convince my beautiful wife, Mrs. What's-Her-Name, to watch the show is to compare it to a show that I know she loves, to see if I can sell it to her that way. So I am going to boldly go where no man has gone before and see if I can equate characters from Star Trek The Next Generation to her beloved Game of Thrones. And let me say this, there's a hell of a lot of similarities in the characters between the two shows. 
and I am a convincing motherfucker. So you never know. Some of you all might want to watch a Star Trek show once you realize how similar it is to your beloved Westeros. And if you don't give a shit about Star Trek or Game of Thrones, don't worry. As soon as I'm done indulging myself here, I'm going to spend a few minutes right afterwards talking about whatever your favorite thing is. All right, everybody, have your replicator make you an Earl Grey tea hot and prepare to regain your virginity. Here we go. Gotta start with the best captain of the Enterprise of all time, Captain Jean-Luc Picard. He's actually the one that I couldn't narrow down to a particular character from Game of Thrones. He's a mix of Rob and Arya Stark. He's definitely a Stark. He is noble and has the leadership qualities of Rob, but he's cunning and fearless like Arya. That is all I have. The rest of them are going to be a lot more straightforward. Commander Riker, who is the second in charge of the ship in Star Trek, is basically Jamie Lannister. A tall, sometimes beardy, smooth-talking maverick that will fuck anything remotely resembling a vagina. I guess that could also make him Tyrion. If galactic herpes was a thing, it would be afraid of whatever Commander Riker probably had by the end of the series. Lieutenant Commander Data is Lord Commander Jon Snow. Not only are their titles similar in their respective shows, but if I can break the fourth wall for just a second, I am a total fan of Kit Harington. Good looking fella and all that jazz, but God love him. He played Jon Snow with the emotional range of a fucking potato. His acting was so robotic, it was almost like an android. If you don't get that joke, Data was an android. Okay, moving right along because I'm not sure how much of this I can get away with from the couple of you that are still listening. Counselor Troy would, of course, be Daenerys, first of her name, the Unburnt, Queen of the Andals, the Reiner and the First Men, Queen of the Marine, Khaleesi of the Great Grass Sea, Protector of the Realm, Lady Regent of the Seven Kingdoms, Breaker of Chains, and Mother of Dragons, Targaryen. Jesus Christ, her name is a mouthful. And yes, I am proud to say that I had to put that whole thing in my notes. If I knew her whole title by heart, I would kick my own ass. That whole thing that she says sounds like something Paris Hilton would say to try to make herself sound useful for something to score a table for lunch at the Ivy in Los Angeles. Counselor Troy is just as fucking high maintenance as Danny is in both of their respected shows. I don't... I don't really, I don't know how else to say this. I swear to God, it feels like every five or six episodes, Counselor Troy is getting sexually assaulted by something or someone that the audience can't see. At least her name and title aren't as long as the dragon blondie in fucking Game of Thrones. The only thing that Troy always says when she introduces herself is that she's half human, half beta Z, which can make for a wild combination, obviously. I don't have to waste my time telling any of you guys what a beta Z is. I'm pretty sure it's common knowledge. I can't remember the last time I met someone who didn't know what a beta Z is, so I'm just going to move on. Worf is Khal Drago. That one is easy. And Klingons are Dothraki. Don't even try to fucking tell me Klingons aren't Dothraki. I will turn this show around right now. And as an added little bonus, just like Danny and Drago, Worf totally split Counselor Troy in half. They fucked. And I am telling you guys, the characters are fucking similar here. Rounding out the last few main characters of the show... Jordy LaForge is Samuel Tarley, smart, always has the answer, and looks like he could host Reading Rainbow. Dr. Crusher is Caitlin Stark. 
Her son, Wesley Crusher, is fucking Bran Stark. Why? Because there is something about his little fuckery and pointlessness for being there that tells me that somehow he's going to end up running things one day. And then, for all you super duper nerds out there, Q is Littlefinger, Guinan is Lady Elena Tyrell, Chief O'Brien is Hodor, and finally Tasha Yar. So you guys remember that red-headed witch from the second season of Game of Thrones that like queefed out a smoke demon in the first episode? The demon queefer lady? That's Tasha Yar. They both seemed like they were going to be a bigger deal to the show, but they actually ended up being shooed away like a fucking nuisance. I hope that whole brilliant thing I just did convinces someone to watch Star Trek The Next Generation. I can most definitely say that for Mrs. What's-Her-Name, I'm sure that she would like Star Trek, almost as sure as I am that no matter what I say, she will never, ever watch it. Win some, lose some. Let's get to the Dildo Chronicles because I know I need to do something to win you guys back. This one has been on my mind since it happened last week, and it's just a reminder of how much I hate people. I walk up to a couple, man and a woman. They are looking, they're looking at whatever they're looking at. It doesn't matter. I had welcomed the two of them into the store when they walked in, and I was coming back up to ask how they were doing and see if they had any questions for me or if there was anything they needed me to help them find, right? Now, they were both pretty good looking. I'll give you that. I'm not sure if that has any relevance to the story, but I'm just trying to paint a picture here. I want you to see it. I start chopping it up with them a little bit and help them out around the store, getting them a couple things that they need. They ended up being really sweet. When I started ringing them out, the woman told me that she initially thought when I walked up to them that I was just some fucking random dude asking them that what they were wanting to buy. Two things about that. Firstly, I have a full-time job, a wife, two dogs, and a podcast. Like, I've got the fucking time to go walking around dildo stores just to talk to some random yahoos about what they're buying. Trust me when I tell you that unless you were the female lead in the Silver Linings playbook, I don't give two flying shits about what it is that you're buying at a fucking dildo store. I might seem like I'm present when I'm talking to you there, but I can assure you that in my head, I'm already debating on whether or not I want to buy myself a coffee on the way home. Secondberg, I will admit that there have definitely been dudes at the store that were doing exactly that. None of the stories are funny or interesting, but I've had to kick a couple of guys out of the store now and again because they were clearly entirely too interested in some of the things that women they had not met or come in with were shopping for and what it was that they were buying. I'm not saying that I don't get it when she says she thought it was some random dude. I'm just saying that's fucking not me, man. Now, I was just reading this thing before I started recording and I absolutely had to add it onto the show this week. Never one to be outdone by Bobby De Niro because they have always had a friendly little rivalry. Al Pacino announced this week that he is going to be a father for the fourth time at 82 years fun with his 29-year-old girlfriend. Oi. Leonardo DiCaprio is like, that is one hell of an age gap. Even Jared from Subway is like, that's kind of morally inappropriate. I am just picturing old ass balls kicking up dust every time they slap against... Dude, 
when the kid graduates, Pacino is going to be 101 years old. His Viagra has to be the size of a fucking hockey puck at this point. For worst of the week, I want to talk about the whole concept of AI and music. Because all of the sudden, over the last couple of weeks, everyone from Sting to Drake has gotten really salty about the idea that computers can replace who they are and what they do. Mind you, there was not one music artist I was aware of that were up in arms when grocery clerks lost their jobs because we started using robots to scan our own groceries, or when robots started driving rideshare in taxis. Robots take your order at McDonald's. They can not only make your cocktail, but they can bring it to your table. Millions of factory jobs have been replaced by machines of some type, and then over the next decade, millions more will be added to the list. When the rest of us were getting our jobs replaced by robots, Sting was still throwing benefits to save the rainforest. But now that his job and how he defines his self-worth is on the line, this is the next big fucking deal for him. And now we need to fight it off at all costs. We can't allow machines to take over. That is a direct line from what Sting said in an interview very recently, a couple weeks ago. Forget the fact that they've taken over everything else and he didn't give a shit until his bullshit came into question. Forget about that part. Computers can now emulate any live instrument at the push of a button. Bots are buying up all the concert tickets before humans can ever get to them. Computer-generated algorithms are choosing the music and playlists that we listen to. I have bad news for Sting, Drake, Bono, maybe Cher, any musician with a single name. You've got the right idea, but you are way too fucking late. While you were coasting through your career with your head ignorantly up your collective asses, computers and AI have already taken over every other aspect of music. And now they're coming for you and they're gonna do what you do only cheaper and without being so fucking pretentious. And if you're thinking to yourself that you're terrified and wondering what the hell kind of good you can bring to the world now that your job has been taken over by a computer, holy shit, that's probably the most relatable any of you motherfuckers have been to the rest of us in decades. As a music nerd, I have no intention on seriously listening to any kind of AI-generated music. Music carries way too much emotional weight for me to even remotely indulge that. But let me say this one single thing. I was on YouTube and drugs when I saw an AI-generated ACDC song called Great Balls. And I have to admit, it was pretty fucking good. It was comedy for sure. It wasn't meant to be the least bit serious, but I'll be damned if it wasn't catchy as fuck and balls on accurate. What I will say is that more and more music is being generated by computers in one way or another. That's true. You go see shits like Marshmallow and Skrillex and Deadmau5 and it seems like actual live music is a dying breed. Is his, is he called Deadmau5? I'm fucking calling him Deadmau5. I don't fucking, I don't even listen to him. But let me tell you, there is no feeling like packing into a small ass club that smells like a mix of whiskey, cigarettes, vomit, and coke. Basically everything that's in my mom's purse in the 90s to watch a handful of shirtless dudes play actual live instruments and sing songs about fucking getting your heart broken 
or if they're really good, both. The idea of that might fade into the background for a while, but as long as someone somewhere is still blasting the Ramones and Van Halen at top fucking volume, the spirit and camaraderie of honest-to-goodness live performances will never fade away completely. At least I fucking hope not. In the spirit of that very idea, I want to do a song of the week from a straightforward rock and roll band that has been coming up over the last decade plus in the age of AI that I fucking adore to no end. Not only are they grassroots and straightforward with their sound, but all of their songs are as depressing as their guitars are crunchy. And anyone who knows me knows that I love both of those shits. If you haven't heard of them, get on it because everything they do kills. They are a band called the Gaslight Anthem. And I'm going to give you a song of theirs that is directly off of my depression playlist and that I listen to only in the depths of the worst times that my asshole brain has to offer. In other words, I cannot recommend the song enough. It hits home really hard for me. And if you are in the mood to feel the tough things, I think you'll like it a lot. It's a song called Too Much Blood by the Gaslight Anthem, and it is waiting in the darkest corner of the Atomic Skull Podcast Songs of the Week playlist on Spotify. Give it a listen and let those tears flow, babies. Before I turn you guys loose for the week, I have a little bit of housekeeping that I want to share. First, everyone needs to consider themselves on notice. I have officially learned how to TikTok, and I'm out there right now and loving every minute of it. I've posted a couple of videos over the last week, and both of them have several thousand views. I'm not sure if that's a lot in the grand scheme of things, but it's a lot for me, and I'm going to choose to be proud of that. Yeah, suck my ass. Sometimes I let myself be proud of shit. If you haven't yet, come follow me on TikTok at Atomic Skull Podcast. And if you're listening to this shit show because you found me on TikTok, thank you for coming to the party. I promise I don't usually talk about Star Trek as much as I did this episode. And I also promise that I'll do my best to throw down a few extra veiny dick jokes next week to make up for it. I've actually got lots more ideas for little TikTok shits coming up. So keep an eye out. And also... Aside from Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and AtomicSkullPodcast.com, you can now listen to this program on Stitcher and Pandora. That's right, motherfuckers. We are getting that much closer to mass communicating out here. And I'm not done with how far we can reach. I do have a couple more things that I'm going to announce, hopefully in the coming weeks. I still have to put it together while also selling dildos full-time, so bear with me. Wherever you are listening to my voice, be sure to follow and rate me five stars because I'm told that shit is important. And lastly, follow me on Instagram, at Atomic Skull Podcast. That should do it for all my plugs and housekeeping for the week. I think yeah I'm good this coming up weekend which is technically last weekend by the time you listen to this or maybe a few weekends ago or even longer depending on what you know what I'm just fucking myself up here this weekend is my local comic-con and you can bet your ass that my beautiful wife mrs. what's-her-name and I have tickets to the nerd prom so you can expect a full report of the sights the sounds and the smells of the exhibit hall I have a feeling all three of those are going to involve Mountain Dew and Cheetos. Thanks to each and every one of you guys, always and forever. Please 
Tell anyone that you think might like my nerdy shit about the show and invite them to come party with us. I am getting really close to some amazing milestones for listeners and followers that I cannot wait to share with you guys. And every little bit of help helps. Wow, Kitson, what a sage way to end the show. Couldn't have done it better myself. Fucking didn't do it better myself. Thank you for taking a little bit of time, you guys. I love you for it. I will see you next week. Apologies to my mother-in-law. And how are you doing? 